Hi everyone and welcome to the Raw Show with Michael McDonnell and I'm here with a very special guest. We have Justin Devonshire with us today. So Justin, thank you for being on the show. Hey Mike, glad to be here. Justin helps coaches, consultants and professionals to escape the time for money trap and create a real business that provides freedom and scalability. He mentors, he mentors entrepreneurs around the world and is an international speaker and trainer himself. He's consulted some of the biggest names in the coaching world on how to attract consistent leads, widen profits and scale their business quickly. So Justin, I'd like to... Um, I'd like to start with your background. So would you be able to, to share with me and our listeners where, where you were born and what it was like for you growing up? So I was born in the UK, in Wales. And um, so, you know, growing up, uh, pretty average childhood, nothing special. Um, there were no business owners in my family. So uh, entrepreneur, um, entrepreneurship wasn't something that was really considered from a young age. Um, so, you know, I went through the motions. My parents expected me to go to, you know, go to college, go to university, get a real job, all that kind of thing. Um, so I grew up in the UK and um, never, really felt too, never really felt too happy there. Always wanted to go somewhere else where there was more sunshine and um, a different lifestyle. Um, and... It was probably in my um, early 20s then where I first really got into business. And um, that was pretty much through not having a clue what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, going through school, university, everything, just following the motions, but didn't really have a, a certain um, passion with any of those things. Um, I loved sports and, and um, martial arts. I was a martial arts competitor and um, really into fitness and things. So, so in the end, I decided to, to see if I could make a go of um, making a living out of uh, fitness and martial arts. And I started training, uh, training athletes to get fit. So strength and conditioning and, and personal training. Um, and I started working you know, out of a gym uh, doing that. Um, and that's pretty much you know, all there is to it uh, before I really started getting into business for myself. All right, cool. So... What was it like then? So, so how old were you when you started? And, you know, what, what was it like to, to make that, that decision? So it, it seemed like you, you were always into to being active with martial arts and fitness. Was it just a, a natural progression for you to, to start that? Or was there any, any more defining moments? Um, well, to you know, getting into that stuff, it was really just me looking for a way to do something I enjoyed and make money out of it. You know, I never wanted to be a lawyer or a dentist or a doctor or anything like that. You know, I, uh, I never really could stick to the notion of a nine to five job. So um, that was really what I thought I could I could do. And it was funny because at that time, still the thought of having my own business doing it hadn't really crossed my mind. So. You know, my, my ambition in life at that time was to become the, the manager of the local gym in my area, you know, <laughs> that, yeah, was yeah. Like as, that was as big as I thought life could get, you know, um, you know, earning 25K a year and be a gym manager. Um, and it was only later on that I, that I like most people who, who work for themselves, you then see uh, maybe a specialist or, or a, you see someone working self-employed. 
and you start realizing that, that there was there was personal trainers there and, and nutritionists and people that were starting their own businesses working for themselves and it seemed like they had more freedom they could charge what they wanted uh, and, and could live life more on their terms um, and so that's when I finally decided to take the jump and become self-employed and then start my own training business all right. So it was the, it was the idea of, of doing things the way you wanted to do them, and potentially the uh, the freedom that came came along with running your own business. How did how did that actually pan out, though? So obviously we always go in with that intention, don't we? So what was what what was the reality like for you when you when you actually decided to make that plunge? So yeah. So the reality, like like most people who go self-employed, is it's not it's not as um, it's not all unicorns and rainbows like it's made out to be when you get there you know and um most of us make the jump from employment to self-employment because we think that maybe we're not being appreciated or we can't express ourselves creatively enough or we're just not getting paid what we're worth so it's our ego that kicks in and says you should just do this do this for yourself um and, and we think it's going to be easier and then we step into that role and that's when a lot of entrepreneurs realize all the, the workings of a business that we hadn't considered when we were employees, you know, because now we've got to pay ta different taxes and we've got to pay our team members and we've got to look at all the legal side of things and we've got to set up structures and operations and we've got, you know, suppliers and other things to deal with. Um, and so when I got into that, then uh, again, like, like most people in the, in the expert industry business, if, if you sell kind of any expertise, you tend to think that, that your certifications will get you through and you think that because you're a really good uh, specialist or a technician that you think that people will just line up to do business with you, which isn't the case in real life. So um, at this point, I actually, I actually moved to the island of Cyprus where I live now and I moved over to Cyprus to, to start my own business. Um, so, you know, I thought it would be this amazing thing and I thought... I'm going to be rolling in the big bucks now and everything, you know, and, um, <laughs> you know, four, five, six months went on and, um, I was, I was barely scraping by 500 quid a month. Um, you know, literally begging clients to work with me. And, um, I got very close to being evicted from my apartment and, you know, couldn't really afford to keep going, things going on. And that's when I realized I had to learn the marketing and business side it wasn't good enough to just learn more and more about helping customers. I needed to learn marketing, business, operations, and things like that. And so that's what prompted me then to start looking into um, how to do things a bit more properly. Right. I mean, that, that's, I mean, just from what you said there, Justin, it definitely rang true for me in terms of going out on your own because we do, we do often feel like, particularly if, if we are reasonably good at what we do, a lot of the the working for somebody in, in a job can, can feel quite I, I don't want to say samey but it can it can be eventually the the lack of challenge starts to to eat away at you a touch you know the fact that every day starts to to blend into into the same old thing and it do, does get to a point where we do have that do we do have to have that Talk, talk with ourselves and we have to make that decision so yeah definitely relate to some of the things that you said there but why why cyprus like you i mean was it just 
for, for the weather. I mean, it shouldn't. Surely there must be more to it than just the weather. Well, uh, there's a, a give it a bit of a story behind that, Mike. So uh, my my father, um, he he um, he loved going to uh, Greece and had a place in uh, Corfu, and he would love he would love being out there. And he was he worked in management most of his life. And uh, his dream was always to retire and retire in the sun. Uh, and that's what he did. Be, he, when he was 65 then, he, he did retire. He moved out to, uh, to Greece. And after three months, he called me and he just said he was bored as hell, basically. <laughs> and, um, you know, and he was thinking of, he, he'd worked all his life for that. And then suddenly he was out of work. He, he got the lifestyle now he thought he wanted, but had nothing to do. So he was, I think he was thinking about, um, starting like a vegetable farming company or something um, just to keep ticking over, you know? And he said to me, um, he said, Justin, you know, don't make the mistake I made of like working all your life to go and get the place in the sun at the end. If you want that lifestyle now, then, then go and get the lifestyle and build the business around that. Mm-hmm. And so I always wanted to live somewhere sunny. I always wanted to live by the beach. I, I didn't, I, I hated the UK culture of, working 50 hours a week to get two weeks in the sun. And, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather spend 50 weeks in the sun and, and have to come back to the UK for two weeks at Christmas, which is what I do now, you know. Um, and so and so that's right. I looked then for places that were had, had a good climate, good lifestyle, and were English-speaking. So Australia was first on my list, um, but it was, there was so much, you know, different visa requirements and, loads of complicated stuff with that. Um, it turns out that friends of my family had a place here in Cyprus and they just said, Hey, do you want to just try, do you want to stay at our place? You know, you can rent our apartment for a month or two and see if you like it. Um, and that was it. I just knew, I just booked a one way ticket. Um, and that was it. I was like, I'm getting, I'm going. Um, and that's when I came up with all these grandeur plans of, you know, starting my own personal training business, starting a, a fitness boot camp. So I quit my so I quit my job in the UK and uh, booked the ticket. I went over, and that was seven seven or eight years ago now. And um, yeah, that's that's what I did pretty much. So right. it was just really the lifestyle, the, the 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 weather, the climate, the fact that everyone speaks English is a big help as well. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it yeah. I mean, it, it almost sounds like fate or, or destiny that you were able to to do that I mean you mentioned Australia being a bit more difficult and then you know friends or family having having something over in Cyprus that you could essentially try before you commit which I think was quite quite handy and the the story that you gave of um going for the lifestyle first that almost reminded me of um I think it was it's more of a, a metaphor I think where the 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 businessman approaches the the farmer who's fishing in in the, the boat. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes through all of this. Oh, you could build factories and you can do this, that, and the other <laughs> thing. And the farmer's like, "Well, why?" And the business owner goes, "Well, because then once you've got the money, you can you can then retire and eventually you can just go back to to fishing on the boat and just feeding your family." And the guy looks at him puzzled and says, "Well, I'm doing that now." So, yeah. It definitely, yeah, it definitely, exactly. yeah, yeah. It, it, it's amazing that. But I guess, I mean, what, what, what do you think that, that barrier is then for, for other people to do the same thing? So well, I think it's because, 
Um, I, th I, think, I think the barrier comes because most people don't actually look into why they start a business in the first place. Um, most people do it just to replace a job, right? But I look at business very differently. You know, to me, a business shouldn't be a job. To me, a business is an investment vehicle. I see it that we, we really want freedom is what we want. We want a business to give us a certain amount of time, income, mobility, uh, fulfillment, contribution, um, you know, and to pay for us to live how we want and, and where we want. And people don't, maybe they start with that kind of vision, but they lose it very quickly as they get caught up in the day-to-day -day of things. And so most entrepreneurs I meet have just simply forgotten why, what their goal was. And they mistake the goal for the process, right? So when, when, if I ask most entrepreneurs, you know, what are your, what are your goals this year? They'll say, get 10 clients, make more sales. And I'm like, I say, you know, these aren't goals. They're processes to achieve a different goal. You don't want 10 clients just for the sake of 10 clients, right? You don't want the business to make 50,000 pounds for the sake of 50,000 pounds. What you want is, you know, the business to create certain revenue so you can pay to live how and where you want. That's what you really want. You want a lifestyle. And so when you remember that first, which I, I you know, always do, that my business is an investment vehicle that I, I put a certain amount of time, money, and energy into so that it gives me back even more time, money, and energy in return, you know, by creating leverage. Yeah, yeah. When people get that aha moment and they remember why they started it, then, then usually their, their strategies and systems get on track with a lot more purpose because now they know why they're doing something. And, and we get so buried in business that we forget these initial goals. And what most entrepreneurs are, are likely doing is they're doing things day to day and they've forgotten why they're even doing them, right? It's like I'm just answering emails, I'm doing sales calls, I'm writing three blog posts. And they've forgotten completely what the objective was. And they're just doing it because you know, they read, they read an article online that said they should write six blog posts a week. And you ask most people, you'll see it. They're just, they're just ticking over with tasks that have no outcome in mind. And they're just stuck in that grind. And there's nowhere to go because they haven't set an outcome. Mm. And they'll, you'll never escape it if you, if, you don't know where, what you're, if you don't know what you want the business to do for you or how you want the business to work for you, you'll forever work for the business as a job that's the big problem in entrepreneurship today yeah yeah i mean i, I definitely definitely see that i mean it's it's something that, that i used to do it's something that a lot of people that that i used to spend time with used to do as well and i guess it's i guess there's, there's a lot of deeper things that go that, that go on in the minds of of people that do that sort of thing but as as you say it's the business works works for you you know, it doesn't, it's not the other way around, you know, you don't, you don't work for the business because then, then as you say, you know, it's harder to, to get that lifestyle because then as you say, if you're getting 10 clients to get 10 clients, well then in, in my mind, just while you were, just, just while you were talking through that, you, you're then committed to those 10 clients. So you, you can't then do anything else. Mm-hmm. Where, 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 where you would have those 10 clients, you could be doing something different. 
you know and um yeah i mean a, a lot of the the things that, that are happening now in terms of commitment and setting boundaries and there's a lot of talk at the moment particularly where i spend most of my time is learning to say no more because it's it's something that as i mentioned before that if you're saying yes to things you are then saying no to something else and i quite like how how you're able to to chase the lifestyle first and then i'd imagine you've got things set up in place that that you would say no to, that you would say yes to, to allow you to, to still have that lifestyle that you've got. Yeah, that's it. It's you know, all about the opportunity cost, you know, and that's the thing. And most people can't judge opportunity cost because, again, they don't know, they don't know what the objective is. So they don't know if they're being sent off track or not. So they just say yes to everything because they don't see an outcome in mind. And they just think, well, more work should get me somewhere. But it's... Yeah just get some you know to an early heart attack <laughs> quite quite a blunt way of putting it there justin um so yes yeah, so how does this fit into the idea of time for money then so at what point in in your own business did you decide that that's what you were doing trading time for money and then what what happened or what what led up to you deciding that you didn't want to do that anymore Good, great question. So, so the way I see it, you know, there, there are a number of identity types and it started with employee, uh, you know, and, and, and the employee is driven by security, you know, just needing benefits and getting a job. Then I transitioned into the solopreneur, like I said, the, the self-employed person running around doing everything myself. Um, the, and the self-employed um, solopreneur is, is driven by ego, right? They're driven by ego, which is not necessarily not, not like a negative thing as in you know like like arrogance but it's it's their percept everything is driven by their perception of self-worth right and that's where most burned out on uh, people trading time for money are right because everything they're doing in the business every action is determined by the, the identity they hold of themselves which is that i am the value i have to do everything no one can do it like me and so on and so when you transition to the next identity, the next level up, which would be the identity of an entrepreneur or business owner, um, it's, it's when your you're, you're driving factor changes. So when I was that self-employed solopreneur run by ego, you know, um, in, in the entitlement of thinking people should just come to me because I've got all these certifications because I'm smarter than that guy because my offers are the best and whatever else. Um, you know, at that point, I started learning the marketing and sales stuff. And I, you know, picked up mentors and programs, which were really helpful. And I learned how to do content marketing, Facebook ads, funnels, all that stuff. Um, again, because you think you've got to learn to do it all, right? I didn't hire someone to do that stuff. I, I learned it all myself, which is why my, my learning curve took so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then what happened is, and then, and then clients start coming in. And then you start getting overwhelmed with, with tasks, um, and I, I'm the Facebook guy, I'm the content guy, I'm the email guy, I'm the phone call guy, I'm the cleaner, I'm, 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 do, I'm the website guy, I'm everything. Um, and that's where most solopreneurs are. Where you make the jump then, where I made the jump, is when you finally realize that you are not the value, but your system is the value that people come for. You know, people aren't coming to your restaurant because you are the one cooking. They're not coming to your salon because you're the one doing the hair. They're not coming for those reasons. It looks like they are, but what they're coming, they're coming to your restaurant for the recipe you created. 
or they come into the salon for the, 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 the human needs and rapport that the conversations with you gives them. And, you know, you're not the only one who can create rapport. You're not the only one who can make a recipe. And so they, the people are coming for the result and the experience, and that can be delivered by more people beyond yourself if you, if you learn to let go. Um, and, and when you start to realize then, like I did, I started to realize that, that my system for producing results for customers had potential to be big, right? It's, it's when you start validating your concept, when, when your restaurant starts getting busy, when your printing company starts getting orders in, when you see that people are coming for this, that's when you start, on one hand, it's good because you see that the revenues go up, but so does your time. And that's when you realize you're in a race to, to box yourself off completely. And you, you actually get scared of growth because you believe growth is going to crush you, right? Mm, Which yeah. will, the way most businesses are set up. So you become the entrepreneur when, when you come to that crunch point of realizing, and not all business owners do this, some will stay as a solopreneur or a very small team, and they won't grow because they're afraid of growing because they, they think it'll tear everything apart. So they stay at that level. Um, but those who do take the jump are those who are ready to scale up and realize they have a system for getting results and they need to, to, to you know, really systemize that and, and scale it somehow with operations in the business um, and take on the role of business leader and then start outsourcing to other technicians. Um, and for me, that point came um, the hard way because I was – Fill, fill, filled up with clients, my diary was full, um, I had a great reputation building for myself. And then one day I got, got a call back from the UK that my mother had been diagnosed with a brain tumor. Oh. So, you know, literally that day, I'm just packing my bags and flying back to the UK because she's going to have emergency surgery the next day. Mm -hmm. And I have to go home and, you know, take care of my family. And... I went back to the UK. I spent about eight months in the UK. And so my mother, she recovered. She, she's back to good health now. Um, but in that time, I realized that, you know, I never had a business. I only had a job because that income was gone overnight. As soon as I jumped on the plane indefinitely and, you know, told all my clients, I didn't have an, in I didn't have an income. I got the call on Monday. I didn't have an income on Tuesday. And that's when you realize how, how delicate and sensitive a business is when it all depends on you. Um, it isn't a business. Um, and so when I was in the UK and, I, and I, my mother got back to health and then I really wanted, I knew I wanted to come back to Cyprus and start over again. Uh, but this time my mindset was different. This time I, I, I realized, okay, it's, it's my system for getting results. I've got to create like a conveyor belt system uh, and get other people in to deliver the service to the customers so I can work on the business whilst I have team members and technology working in the business. And that's when you make the jump to being a real entrepreneur, when you, you no longer, you know, it doesn't all depend on you anymore and you start to trust other people and, and leverage systems. Right. So what would you suggest in terms of the threshold then? So there's, there's this argument for starting that way to a certain extent. I don't mean everything is, is automated and systemized. What I mean is, is you, you might do emails using an email system versus sending them all out yourself. So was, is, is there a threshold before you, you then 
decide to do that? Do you wait until you hit breaking point? Do you start before you get to that point so that you never really get overwhelmed? I mean, how how, how would you see that looking? Um, yeah, good question. And that's, that's, the, that's the million dollar question, really, because this is when people say, okay, I get this stuff. I can see I need to get a team or I, or I need some help or I need some better systems, but you know, where do you find the people or how do I afford that? And so on. And it's that catch 22 where, you know, you, you need a team, you need, a, you need systems and a team to, to scale up and take more customers on, but you need more customers to be able to afford the teams and systems. Right. And, yeah, so, yeah. and so this is why it's really different for every business or whatever situation you're in. Um, and so I always say to always, always look at your objectives and your resources. That's all you can really, it comes down to. You need to look at, you know, what are your objectives? Because I know some people who are totally happy being solopreneurs. Like they, if you accept it and acknowledge it, and you know it's, it's really a well-paid a well part-time job, that's not going to scale into millions, but you're happy with that because it serves your lifestyle. Maybe you're, uh, you know, like a travel blogger or something like that. And those people say, you know what, I'm actually pretty happy for now just doing this. I'm, I'm loving the thrill. Then, then great. You know, like it's not a judgment. It's just as long as you're aware of that. But then, you know, if you are complaining that you're burned out and you're stressed and you can't get the help and da, 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 um, then there's just things you haven't applied yet and learned yet. So, so look at your goals, first of all. Is this something you really want to do, right? And if not, it's, it's not a problem. Just don't bitch and complain about it at all. Um, but if you are ready to scale up, you know you've got a, a system that can really help people on a bigger level or, you know, or you've got a, um, a restaurant experience or a salon experience or whatever it might be that you think can be out there big time. Um, then look at your resources. And that's, that's going to be like your amount of cash flow, your amount of savings, your... Um, connections you have and so what I did to get started because I didn't have a lot of I didn't have any savings at all um, I didn't have you know much in the way of cash cash flow or profits because I didn't have a very good financial education around my business till much later um, and so what I did was I, I looked at the people around me and I, I and I would try and barter for as much help as I could so you know my the, my first hire in my fitness business when I ran a fitness boot camp my, my first hire was um, I hired one of my own clients to take on sales calls for me. So I had my adverts running. I was using Facebook ads and you know, different content marketing stuff. So leads were coming in like crazy. And I didn't have the time to do the phone calls because I was serving customers all day or having panic attacks or whatever I was doing at the moment. So um, I, I just went to you know, one of my clients and actually one of my clients came in, that, came in, came in one day and said she'd lost her job. She was in tears because she said she had to budget down and she, she loved coming to the gym, but she'd lost her job and, you know, had to quit. So I said, well, how about instead I'll give you free access to my program um, and I can send you my leads and you just, I'll give you a, a, um, a, a phone call script and you can enroll them into my program and I'll give you cash commission for every person you sign up. And she loved it. She was a bubbly person. She was great on the phone. She had skills, you know, she had um, phone call skills anyway. And she was an ambassador for my program because she, she already used my service and loved it. So she was better on the phone than I was. And, yeah, I'm sure she was. <laughs> and in, a couple, in about a month, she was earning, I was giving her, you know, uh, like, like, like 30 pounds commission per sale. 
And so in about a month, she was earning more money doing four or five phone calls a day, a day for me from home than she was in her old office job, right? Um, mm-hmm. And that's just one example then. And, and so I, I kept looking for you know, people that could contribute and help me with something. And then I looked at you know, how could, if I haven't got money to give them, or not all of the money, then what other value could these people want right now? You know, later on, I took on, I took on a girl who did my PR marketing for me. So I wanted to you know, get into newspapers, get press releases sent out, all that kind of thing. And I didn't have the time for that. So I went to a local um, college, looked at the, the, the journalism department and said, hey, does any of you guys who are learning journalism and media want to get free work experience? Three to four hours a week in my company, you get to write press releases, send press releases out, talk to contacts, um, and learn what it's like to promote a business via, via media. I had you know, 27 people applied to work those hours in exchange for work experience for me. So you can get that, you can get much more help for your business than you imagine if you think, stop thinking about uh, how little you have to give and start looking at what other value could, could my company be giving to these people beyond just money. And when those people come on and then, and then you can, they can show that they're getting a tangible ROI for you, then you can look at you know, full payment options as time goes on. So, so you've got to look at your resources like that. You've got to learn to be resourceful look at your objectives uh, and then really, you know, learn to barter in that position. Um, and you start doing that, start getting help, start leading a small team. And before you know it, then you, you'll have a bigger capacity to take on more customers, get more cash flow, and then you can afford to, to pay these people um, really good salaries, really competitive rates, and they'll stay loyal to you for a long time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it seems, it seems like you you had this this level of awareness of what was going on in terms of you know how how you were feeling business wise whether it be stress or otherwise and did, did you actually have a, a conversation with yourself at that point or was it more just a case of i haven't got time to do that anymore so i'm going to outsource it straight away what was the process like well, simply, I, just, I, just, I picked up a book actually called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber, one of the first business books I read, which I think, you know, any entrepreneur, if they haven't read it, they're, they're doing themselves a huge disservice. Um, it's pretty much the foundational business book and, and one of the only books you'll ever need to read on business. Um, that's The E-Myth. And, um, and um, that talks about the entrepreneurial myth that just because you're good at your technical skill, doesn't mean you're good at building a business that serves that technical skill. And um, it talks all about getting systems and processes and helps you to outline all the departments of your business and, and look at your business from a 30,000 foot view. So I would, I, would, I, would, I would step back and say, you know, let me get out of the hustle and grind and just look at my business from the outside. You know, um, and one thing that, that that book really shows you is how to put an organizational chart together, which is, which is key for most businesses. We put a chart together showing, you know, who is the CEO of the company? Who is the, the managing director? Who is the head of marketing? Who is the head of sales? Who is the head of fulfillment? Who is the head of operations? And most entrepreneurs don't do this exercise. We've all heard of org charts, but no one does it because they just think, well, my name is going to be in all the boxes. 
And the point that the book tells you is it's worth doing the exercise so that you can see your name in all the boxes and it'll hit you of how ridiculous this whole thing is of you trying to do everything. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and and <laughs> building a company, building a business, stop being about leads and sales and building a company became literal for me. It became okay, my name is in all these boxes. All these boxes, all these departments have to be done for the company to, to run properly. You know, marketing has to be done. Sales has to be done. Fulfillment has to be done. Payroll has to be done. But I need the people in the right boxes and I need to remove my name and, and get my name back to the top of the chart so I'm just the CEO again. And business building became a, a game for me almost to say, how quickly can I get my name out of these boxes and put someone else in there? And as soon as you get all those boxes filled with, with specialists in those areas, you've built a company, a company of people. You have a bunch of people all doing their own little superpower. You're the CEO, the visionary, just overlooking the whole thing and, and directing them. Uh, and that's when you start feeling like a real business owner, like a, like a Richard Branson or someone like that who is purely spends time and energy on their visionary tasks. You know, Richard Branson doesn't know how to fly a plane or doesn't know the recipe to make a can of cola or probably doesn't know much about, you know, um, mobile telecoms, but yet he has businesses in all these areas because he just has a vision and then says, who are the people to put in place that will make this happen for me? Mm. Yeah, yeah, he sure. All himself. And so that's the kind of level, that's what the conversation I had from reading some of Richard Branson's books as well it was very um, instrumental and realizing how do I start building a real company where people get to come in and do the work they love to do and the things that I hate to do instead of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so what, what would you tell someone then that was struggling in terms of the financial side? So a, a, lot, of, a lot of people tend to be at least motivated by money or, or directed by money in, in some sense in terms of you know, hitting a certain level of income before they start doing X, Y, or Z. What, what advice would you give to someone that was, that was in that position that would say, well, I'd hire staff, I'd do the systems and things, but I don't think I can actually afford to. What, what, what would be your advice to those people? So the first thing is you've got to make your business as lean as, and efficient as possible. So first thing, look at all the things you're doing day to day and then realize that probably only 20% of those tasks are actually giving you 80% of the results. So a lot of people that are like overwhelmed, they say in business, they say, I'm doing all these things. Most of the things they're doing are just garbage, right? They don't need to be done. It's like, I'm doing, I'm running the Facebook account, the LinkedIn account, the YouTube, the Twitter, the Instagram. And I look and say, you know what? All your clients are coming off Facebook. All your other platforms aren't doing jack. So mm -hmm. stop, quit them, stop doing them, right? Um, so that's the first thing. If you're overwhelmed, it's because it's you're doing most entrepreneurs are just doing too many ineffective things, first of all. Uh, and if you dropped half those tasks, there would be no consequence whatsoever, like no negative consequence. Um, so identify, first of all, your 80-20 rule. Look at what are the, out of all the things I'm doing, what are the key things that are actually bringing me most of the results? And so that should, that should take a lot off your plate immediately, right? And mm -hmm, then- definitely. Now you have more time to do more of those effective things. 
that should start getting your cash flow coming. And if you know if you if if you're still not generating, if you have that time and, and that focus, and you're still not generating cash flow, then you've probably gone got to go and look at um, your your message to market match and say maybe your product just isn't that good, or maybe it's not the right product for the right audience. Right. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Or, 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 or there could even be that element whereby that the marketing might even be might even be just. You know, it, it could even just be exaggerating the result that they get, and then when people do actually see it, they go, "Well, mm, it's not actually getting the result that that you promised." For example, and then everything starts to fall flat. I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, you could be yeah, you could be um, under prom- um, over promising and under delivering, right? That's, yeah, that's yeah. A big thing. So, you know, if you're getting out there and you've validated your product and and you know what your effective tasks are, then. Cash flow shouldn't be an issue for long, especially if you're just a one-man person. If you're a one-man or one-woman show, then um, you know unless you've grossly over- underestimated your costs and setup costs and things like that, then it shouldn't be an issue. Um, and so a lot of it, a lot of it, because because business like it is looping back to the start, it's an investment vehicle. We're in the business of investing here. And the problem is most people who come into business have great ideas. They have loads of passion, they have big visions, but they don't have financial education, right? And that's the problem. People will come to me and say, like, I've put all my life savings into building this shop and I haven't made all the money back in two months. What do I do? And I'm like, you know, sometimes there's no tactic to just pull you out of that, right? It's like, you know, go get a job and earn money for your family sometimes, I've got to say, because that's the truth. You know, it's just having, you know, the ease of setting up a business today is, is it's a great opportunity that anyone can set up a business, but the barrier is so low, people just jump into it not knowing what it really takes or not knowing what the real investment is. And people put themselves into, most people start a business because they have financial trouble to begin with. So that's why 90% of businesses fail ultimately is because it's people with financial problems are creating a financial vehicle that provides them more financial problems. So I would say the best way is, is you know, take your emotion to the side and, and really start looking at business like an investment vehicle. Do you have good savings? Do you have a forward um, cash projection plan? Are you really tracking the finances? And if not, you know, if you hate that stuff, then you have to go and find someone who will help you do it right or get really good with a calculator you, you have to people won't get beyond six fig high six figures at the best without a really strong financial hold on the, on the company um and that's one of the things that's just not talked about enough we think that passion and idea and hustle will get us somewhere but it won't that's the reality of it it won't you need the logical analytical um thought-based side to it as well you can make money from a hobby with just passion and, and grit, fantastic. But you want to build a real company that that really has you know a great um, you know profit and earnings ratio and good liquid and can can really have a good um, cash value. Then you've got to learn numbers, um, and that's what's not taught to enough people, I think, today. 
Yeah, definitely. It's it's almost like if if you haven't got the money to hire someone, then then it's just a case of waiting until you have to a certain extent. There is an element of well, maybe you're just not at the point where you're ready yet. And as you say, you know, trying to get rid of some of the the things that simply aren't getting you the results that you want. That, that that can free up the time to then spend on the money making activities. So yeah, I really like those those ideas and and those concepts to, to take away. And if if, if anyone's listening that that thinks that they might be at the point where they are are financially ready what tends to be the other barriers then justin around not, not just hiring now we'll open it out to say systems as well so what what would you say were the the barriers for for things like creating systems and, and hiring have you got any advice for someone that might be struggling with those yeah okay and one more well one more thing i wanted to add actually to the previous question but it kind of ties into this actually is an obstacle what i would say to someone who is wanting to hire someone um and this is also um something that's also a, a block like you just mentioned here is that we also have very faulty definitions of what we actually need someone to help us with so for example we tend to want to hire someone straight away we think of 20 hours a week part-time or 40 hours a week full-time. Now, the 40-hour work week is a socially created artificial construct that has no basis in actual reality of running a company. There is nothing that should take someone 40 hours a week to do in your company. Nothing, right? Like you hire a salesperson, are they doing 40 hours a week of sales calls? right? That's just something that they, they created to make factories and offices. So in the new era of entrepreneurship now with, with, with remote, remote working and, 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 different, and, and how much technology and systems we have available to us, we don't need people for that many hours. Um, you know, so like I said, if, if you want certain tasks taken care of, you should be able to find people to work four to five hours a week for you in most cases. You don't need to hire someone 40 hours a week to track your finances. A bookkeeper can do that in three hours a week. They can do it in their, in their, in their spare time, most of them. So that's, that's, that's one thing there is, is people are, you know, um, that's a, it's also a tip there that don't think you have to hire someone for, for 20 or 40 hours a week initially. You know, pay them, pay them 20 quid an hour and get them, get them for three hours a week. That'll free up so much time for you. Um, and, and it's also... When it comes to um, to bottlenecks to, to 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 getting people on board with the systems, it's it's again not knowing what they want the system or, or the outcome to be. So if you don't know what the outcome of a process is, you can't make a system for it, right? So so you've got to know you've got to come up with a quantified outcomes of what you want done. And most entrepreneurs don't do this. They'll hire somebody, tell them to do a job. They'll give them a process to do but there's no defined outcome. So you might hire an assistant and say, hey, um, can you answer my emails for me? And she goes, sure, yeah, I'll answer your emails. And at the end, at the end of the week, you had 100 emails came in and you say to your assistant, hey, did you answer all those, e did you answer my emails for me? And she'll go, yeah, I did. And you'll see that only 10 emails out of 100 were answered. But to her, she answered emails. You didn't tell her how many or what the outcome was going to be. So it's a communication breakdown and, and she hasn't got a system to follow because you didn't give her an outcome. 
So when you say instead, hey, we get an average of 50 to 100 emails a week, your task is to um, answer at least 100 emails. And, and here are the, the FAQ responses and here are the template emails you can copy and paste to send back. Now that person can not only do a better job, but they can actually do it in, in, in less time. It makes their job easier and more refined because you give them a solid outcome and solid instructions and templates and checklists and other systems like that to make it easy for them. So when you make it so that they don't have to think, they'll get the job done in less time, which means, of course, if they're billing by the hour, you then again get to pay them less to get a bigger result out of them. And so that's... it, it, it's, it's, yeah, it, it kind of seems like. The, so, when you mention systems, then it's, it's kind of reverse engineering the outcome, and, and it, the impression that you sort of gave there, Justin, was that it actually makes things easier when you do a little bit of the work beforehand. Is, is that is, is that the the case, or is is it a bit more to it? Well, yeah, you need a, think of a system like a recipe to do something, right? Um, so, you know, if you go, you, you know, I could go, I, I don't, I haven't, like, I haven't cooked a meal in six years for myself, right? I hate cooking. I'm no good at it, right? But I could stroll into Gordon Ramsay's top restaurant, take his recipe, if it's written well enough, and I could probably follow it and come up with a meal that's 60% as good as what he could do with no experience, no knowledge, and no expertise because his system is good enough. That's what, how they sell cookbooks, right? Mm-hmm. So because he knows what the outcome is, this is what the, this is what the, the, the cake is going to look like. This is the exact ingredients. This is the checklist. Uh, and you've, you've outlined the process from the follow. So anyone can follow it. Uh, and that's the, that's the big thing people don't realize. It's not about finding good people. It's about finding, it's about creating good systems that even average people can follow. That's the key to it. So you want a systems dependent business, a recipe dependent business, not a, not a people dependent business. Because even if you do find this magical kind of Jesus Christ savior person that people want to come into their company, if they did, your company would become enslaved to that person because They'll be doing their thing, but then you won't necessarily have that systemized or documented for anyone else in the company to copy. And you're at the mercy of that person now. So that's why, you know, if you go and work in, you go and work for Gordon Ramsay or you go, you know, McDonald's, for example, you, you could go, go into McDonald's with a million um, chef qualifications. They don't give a crap. Mm, yeah, yeah. Certifications mean nothing. You're going to make burgers following the chart on the wall. Because they know the outcome. And so that's the thing, people. It's, it's, it's not about skill or people dependence. It's, it's really about systems, um, systems dependence and, and finding people that have potential to follow your system. People that want to learn. People that want to um, you know, be part of a team. People that, that, that want to learn from your systems and get better because of them. Not people that come in with ego telling you how to run the company. Yeah, definitely. So, do, do you have any, do you have any maybe resources or, or tips for, for for people that 
can actually help them do this. So you you mentioned the the E Myth as the the book recommendation, which is something that I'm adding to, to my wish list. Um, I, I've read quite a lot of business books and things, but uh, I'll admit I've heard of it, but I've never actually read it. So that's definitely going on on my list for yeah for net next books to buy. So have you got any any resources or or apps or things that that might help people with this? Um, yeah, so I mean, I have um, a, uh, a Facebook community for for coaches and expert service professionals um, where I give free information. Uh, maybe you can you can um, it's called Grow Your Expert Business. Maybe you can drop a link to that. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Not a problem. Um, otherwise, um, there's my blog, which is um, www.justindevonshire.com. You can go and check out. There's some loads of blog posts and um, freebies you can opt in for and things like that there too. Um, or just find me on Facebook and I'm happy to, um, you know, send me a message. I'm happy to chat to anyone. All right. Awesome. Well, just before we, we finish, do you have any, any parting words or parting wisdom or advice for, for any of our listeners? Yeah, um, one thing that actually came up from um, a retreat I was, t- I was teaching in Thailand last week, a very important point is I was, I was, I was talking about this stuff to those owners. And these, these entrepreneurs were making between 30000 and and 100000 a month in their businesses. And we're all at that point of getting out of it and, and just trusting it to other people. And one of the people there said to me, you know, what if I, what if I love doing what I do? Like, I understand I need systems and, and blah, 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 but but I still love getting up every day and doing the work, right? Should I not do this stuff? And my answer to him was, you know, even if you love the work, you should be looking at building systems and processes like this anyway, because you don't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow or to someone else in your family. You know, I learned the hard way. Um, We think we can put this stuff off till later, you know, like, oh, I'll, I'll put systems together when I'm going to hire somebody. Or, you know, I'll figure out the systems when I'm fully, fully booked with customers. And the truth is, no, you won't. Because when you're fully booked with a million things to do and you've buried yourself in, a jo- in, in like 10 different jobs, it is very hard physically and mentally to get back out of that. Because the more you start building around yourself, the harder it becomes to let go. So most people try and say like, when I'm fully buried, then I'll magically jump out of it all. <laughs> and it's like, no, yeah, yeah. so this, that's why I said right back to the start, you've got to decide, do you want um, a well, you know, a well-paid job that you're passionate about and be self-employed or do you want to be a company owner and have an investment vehicle that creates freedom and wealth and scalability for you and your lifestyle and, and your family. Choose which one you want because then the strategies and actions you take are going to be very different. One will make you busy and the other that I'm proposing will make you free. And there's a big difference. Yeah, I, I definitely definitely echo that, Justin. So just, just before we go, there's one question that I, I ask all of my guests and it's a little bit of a, curveball so you might need a bit of time to think so we'll we'll see what you can come up with it doesn't have to be business related it can be personal related it can even be fun related so it can be anything all right and mm-hmm. the the question is what do you want the world to know about you 
that it doesn't already know? I would like the world to know that really, um, you know, I'm, I'm like nothing special. This is not because of any certain um, genius or wisdom or DNA that I have that I'm able to build and scale multiple companies. Um, it's, it's simply that, um, you know, anyone can do this. If you, if you learn the right systems and you have a vision for what you want, um, and then you will allow more people to, to, to come into the, you know, to work with you and, and build it as a team. Um, really anyone can do that. Basically that's why I would want people to know. All right, Justin. Well, thanks for, thanks for making the time. Thanks for being a guest on the show. I'm sure we'll, we'll speak again soon. Okay. Thanks Mike. Look forward to it.